0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning, Passion Life Church. Woo! I even heard the ladies in there. All right. Love it, love it, love it. Well, welcome to church this morning. We're so glad that you're here. And today we finished this amazing series that we have called Extraordinary, or you could call it this, "Extra." Ordinary. I really believe that no one sets out to live an ordinary life. I really believe that. And we've been focusing on just how God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. And that's actually what the Bible's all about. These were not aliens from another place. These were ordinary people. They had faults. They had uh, mess-ups. They sinned. And you know what? God did an amazing thing through many of the people in the Bible. Bible. They did, an extra- they did extraordinary things. And you know what? God wants to do the same through us. And today I want to talk about and focus on extraordinary love. But before we do that, let's look at our theme scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. I'm going to read it, and then I want us all just to read it aloud. It's a great scripture. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Come on, let's read that together. Ready? One, two, three. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask Think according to the power that works in us. Just want to do a real quick review. You know the word abundantly. I love that this scripture says exceedingly, but then he also adds abundantly. In the original Greek text, that word abundantly means more than necessary. God can do more than necessary. And I want to tell you why he wants to do more than necessary. Because this is not just about you. This is not just about your blessing. This is about God's God blessing you so you can bless others. This is about you doing better so people can look and God can be glorified in your life. But that word abundantly means more than necessary and it means extraordinary, extraordinary. God can do the extraordinary in our lives. And so today what I wanna do is I wanna talk about God's extraordinary love. How many of you would agree that God's love is not ordinary? Let me see your hands. It's just not an ordinary love. And uh, I just think, for some reason, we have just made love so ordinary in our lives. And the, way, the reason why I say that is because the way we use the word love. Some people use the word love for everything. Oh, I love that chair. Oh, I love that TV. I just love, oh, I love Italian food. I love it. And I really do. I, like, love Italian food. I'm Italian, Polish, and Puerto Rican. They call me tres leches. That's what I am. Right? I love Italian food. I love my cat. Now I don't know if that's possible, but some people do. I love my cat. And then you know what? We look at our spouse and we go, I love you, boo. I just love you. Oh, I love you. So do I love my wife like I love my TV? Do I love my wife with the same love that I love for my cat? Do I love my wife like I love my football team? How do I love my wife? And I'm sure she feels so special because I just use that word for everything. But you know what? The Bible actually differentiates the different types of love. And here's what I think we do. We internalize and we use when we use love. Sometimes we think God loves us like we love our cat. Now, I know that's a lot of love. But you know what, we think, oh my goodness, well, God loves me, or maybe like, I like Italian food, that's how God loves me. Actually, God's love is way deeper than all of those things. There's a bunch of Greek words for the word love, one of them is phileo, phileo, that's uh, friendship love, it's a deep, loyal love. There's actually a word called erotica that is supposed to take place between a man and a woman when they get married, come on somebody. And all of those loves, though, God was the one that initiated all those loves. But that has its seat in this word called agape. Agape is the Greek word for the God kind of love. It actually means this, to esteem and goodwill. But I I like to say it this way. It's the absolute best will for somebody that's agape love that's the love that God has for you it's actually a divine love and so when you experience this divine love you know what happens life change happens see God's love this agape love it's unlimited I want to say that again did you know that God's love is unlimited that the whole world could be loving on God and he still has more love to give That's really powerful. It's unlimited. It's unconditional. I mean, it's just amazing, his love. But here's the reality. When you experience his love and you truly experience his love, it will transform your life. Because God's love never leaves you like it found you. It, it just it doesn't leave you like it found you. And in reality, this agape love, this divine love, this is the love that we're supposed to be experiencing. Because here's what's cool. When you understand how God loves you, that's how you can love yourself. But then also that's how you can love others. That's that love is supposed to flow through you to others. And this is really what the Christian life should be about. See, God wants us to really know that we are fully loved So we can fully live. See, I don't believe you can fully live without knowing about being fully loved. I think many of us struggle in this area about being fully loved. And you know what the interesting thing is? Maybe it's because of our our parents and growing up. We just didn't experience that. But I just got to tell you this. You may have had the best parents in the world. But even that does not, they do not compare to the amazing love of God. And so what we're going to do is I want to look at this extraordinary love and I want to look at this woman in the Bible. Her name is Mary and she just experiences this extraordinary love. And I want to talk about today five things that love does. Did you bring your Bibles this morning? If you did turn to Mark chapter 14, verse three, if maybe you're coming back to church and. He didn't bring a Bible. That's okay. We'll put it up on this big Bible screen in the back. And and you can read along. And uh, as you're turning to Mark chapter 14, you know, let me just give you a little history. Jesus is just hanging out with some friends. He was in his life group, Jesus was. He was just hanging out with his friends. And that's who we're going to read about today. And uh, the woman that is referenced in this story, her name is Mary. I love, if you come to our church, that's one thing I love to do. I love to look at people people's lives. I love to look at why they did what they did. Somebody once told me, don't just look up to your idols, look into them. In other words, the people that you look up to don't just say, oh man, they're awesome. You have to look into their lives and find out why did they get to where they're at. And so let's look at Mary. Let's look at how she responds. Mary was the one that sat at Jesus's feet. Jesus came over and she would just sit at Jesus's feet. Martha would be serving and she's busy and she would just sit and soak in Jesus's love. And we're going to see five things that love does. Mark, Mark, uh, love does Mark chapter 14, verse three. It says this, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon, the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. Come on, somebody essential oils. (laughs) Then she broke the flask and broke it on his head. So here's a woman named Mary. Jesus is hanging out and she has this vase filled with expensive oil. It's spikenard oil. It's very expensive because it was very, very rare to get. And here's what she does. She breaks it open and she begins to pour it out on Jesus. And here's number one that we need to know. See, extraordinary love gives the best. Extraordinary love gives its best. When God gave you his love, he didn't just say, for God so loved the world, I love you. No, he says, for God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his only son People wonder, well, I don't know if God wants what's best for me. Well, let me tell you this. He gave you the best in Jesus Christ. He gave you his only begotten son. I have one son. His name is Gavin. He's seven years old. And I'm going to be honest with you. I love you, but I would never give my son for you. But God did. And somehow we would think that God had like 20 sons and he had one son and he loved his son and he gave it to a world. Some would reject him. Some would accept him. And God gave you his best. And here's the, the, the big idea and the main point. If you're taking notes, write this down. See, our love for God always comes out of his love for us. Let me say that again. Our love for God always comes out of his love for us. What do I mean? Some of us struggle in this area of giving God our best. And you can never give God your best until you receive his best. Because you can never give what you don't have. That's why some of us are so limited in love. Because we have not received his love. We don't know how to love other people. And again, maybe it's because of a family relationship or maybe it's just we haven't learned. But you know what? You cannot give to other people what you do not have. And so we limit God's love in our lives. And when we limit God's love in our lives, when we say, you know what, God? Man, I don't even know if you love me. I don't know. Here's what happens. We can't really even love other people. And when we limit God's love in our lives, we are limited in loving other people. And I could, I could do some comparisons in here this morning. And I could say this to you based on this today. How's your love life? And I'm not talking about you and the, your crush or you and your spouse. I'm talking about with people. Because I would dare to say that if you are limited in love, it's because you have been limited in receiving the great love that God has given us. And it's the best love. And to the extent that you've been loved by God. See, that's the input part, the receiving part. To the extent that you've been loved by God is to the extent that you can love other people. See, my input always equals output. I cannot love others if I have not input God's love. And so what Mary did, she gives Jesus her best. You know, this flask that she broke, this vase that had this perfume, it was worth 300 denarii. That was almost a year's wage. And she gave that to Jesus. And I want you to listen to this because what she did for Jesus was motivated by the love she received from Jesus. See, Jesus had done a lot for Mary. Jesus raised Mary's brother, Lazarus, from the dead. You know why they loved Jesus so much? Because they knew how much Jesus loved them. See, your love for God always comes from his love for you. See, that's where people struggle. I'm trying to love God. I'm just trying. I'm trying. Stop trying. You're constipated. You may even fart. Just relax. Listen. Hey, take a breather. Breathe in and out. I had a a friend. Actually, Mark last week, or two weeks ago, he was telling me that his wife wants to get a tattoo, right? And, and so they were talking about what are they going to get? What is she going to get? And she thought that she would get a tattoo on her forearm right here that would say, breathe. And he was laughing. We were laughing sorry. And he's like, why would you get breathe? She's like, well, when life gets tough and all of a sudden I don't know what to do, I could just look at my forearm and go, Breathe. But I'm like, what if you don't have air and you forget to look at your forearm? You're in trouble. But some of us just need to relax for a moment and stop trying so hard and receive more. And you know what i found? A lot of us have a problem receiving. Some of us have a problem not only giving, we have a problem receiving. And you know what? Whether you have a problem giving or receiving, it all comes back to one thing called pride. And you know what happens is that if we have a problem receiving, then we will have a problem giving. Because you can never give God's love if you haven't received God's love. And this is what's cool. This is the way that God set it out. And God wants genuine, authentic love. Like he gave you. He doesn't just want this, I love you, man. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. He wants this authentic, real love. You know what? Matthew chapter 15 verse 8 talks about people. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, I don't want just people that say I love you without their heart in it. I want your, what you say to be a reflection of what's in your heart. I want that to be a reflection. And see, so you can't give God your best until you've received his best. And that's what's awesome. That's how he set this up. He set it up that he would love you first. See, you didn't love God first. He loved you first. You are second. You are the object of his love. And so he loved you first. And here's what he wants you to do. And this is what this love hap- once it starts getting inside of you. Once you receive his love, you will actually love God back with the very love that he gives you. You begin to love people with the very love that he gives you. But see, some of us, you know what we do? Is we put up roadblocks of why we can't receive God's love. Well, you know, I can't receive God's love. You know, I just heard that this week from someone. You know, I just can't, you know, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know, you know, if I could get to that because, you know, my past is just so great. Can I just encourage you today? Your past is not bigger than the love of God. The love of God is bigger. The Bible says that while you were yet in sin, God had already demonstrated his love for you. Come on, somebody. So your past is no excuse for why you can't be loved. Well, I'm just not worthy. Well, Pastor Phil, I've just been heard and you just don't know me. And here's what we have done. We have reduced God's love to something ordinary. We have reduced God's love to an opinion. Let me say it this way, my church family. We have reduced God's love to the way that we love. We've reduced it to an opinion. Well, I I don't like that person. I don't like the way she did her hair. I don't like, oh, I don't like this. And I don't love that. And your love is all based on how you feel that day. How if you're irritated, if you're not irritated. And basically what we do and we can do as individuals, I've done it. Well, I love you based on if I like you and my thoughts about you. And here's the tragedy with that. We think Because we love people that way that God loves people that way. And my church family, God's love is not an opinion. God's love is a person. God is the person. The Bible says God is love. He is it. He doesn't change. And here's the cool thing. What you do or don't do doesn't change God's love for you. It doesn't change God because you don't love him. It doesn't change God because you mess up. He is who he is. I know it's bad grammar, but can I use it today? He is who he is. He's not going to change. God's opinion of you has not changed because of who he is. God loves you because he is love. Listen, God doesn't love you because you're good. God loves you because he He's good. Whoo! Man, that's good. That's good. So it's not just an opinion. And love always gives its best. Mary breaks open this face, never to be able to use this oil again. She puts it on Jesus. Here's number two that love does extraordinary loves. Love always lives in security. Look at verse four. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Everybody say that word, wasted. Wasted. (coughs) Excuse me. "For For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. So now we know that love always gives its best because God gives us his best so we can give our best. Because we've received his best. But you know what? When you've received God's love, here's something that happens. Security comes into your life. Mary didn't care that they were just hanging out. Mary didn't care who was in the room. What she was focused on was who Jesus was and her love and his love for her. And so she, you know what she did? is she did this in front of everybody because the opinions of all of those other people in the room weren't gonna stop Mary from loving and worshiping Jesus. You know what, as a matter of fact, her love for Jesus overrode people's opinions. You wanna know if you're loved? When you wanna know if you've received this love from God, People's affirmations and people's opinions mean less and less to you. Pastor Phil, you don't care what some people think. Here's what I do. I care about what people think because I want to make sure that I'm glorifying God. But outside of that, you know what? I know that I am loved and I live in that security. Listen to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears, listen to these words, has not been made perfect in love. See, what happens is when you know you are loved, you have such a security in your life that it frees you from being insecure. You know, a lot of times the people that we look at to be loved, we look at them because we look up to them and their opinion, the way they treat us. You know, it it can even affect our self-worth, our value. We feel if somebody, you know, that we look up to doesn't value us, then we don't value ourselves. But can I just encourage you today? We can look up to God. He is our God. He is the king of the universe. And that God loves you. That God sent his son for you. When you loved, you realize you're complete. That's why I always tell people you're complete in him, even as a single person. Well, I just need to find that person because, you know, I just feel like they could complete me. No, you're already complete. You're already complete. So we're looking for people to complete us. Could you complete me? Could you complete me? Could you complete me? No, you know what? God is the one who made you. He's the one that. Here's this spectacular scene. This woman breaking open, showing Jesus how much she loves him. And there will always be critics. And you need to know that they were in Jesus' day, they criticized Jesus. And just because you're criticized by other people doesn't mean that you're not loved by God. God loves you. Jesus was criticized. But you know, in this amazing act of worship, here are the critics. Some of the disciples, one, Judas in particular. Look what Judas basically says. He basically says, oh my goodness, we could have given that to the poor. Why is she pouring that 300 denarii? She... She shouldn't be giving that. She shouldn't be giving that like that. You know what, what I think we should do with the money? What I think we should do with money is I think we should give it to the poor. Let me just tell you something. Here's what insecure people always do. It's a sign of insecurity. They try to control other people. It wasn't Judas's money, it was hers. She wanted to give it to Jesus. And what we're gonna find out is this wasn't ever about the poor. This was always about Judas's own self motive. Interesting. Judas, right? He was stealing from the treasure, the Bible says. And here you have Mary giving God her best. And she's giving God her best. And Judas is stealing the rest. And you know what the sad truth is that Judas found his security in money. Mary, because she loved Jesus and was being loved by Jesus, was secure in him. But you know what? Judas found his security. See, we'll all find our security somewhere. Judas found his security in his money. And the sad truth is that Jesus Jesus would be betrayed by Judas for 32 pieces of silver. He would betray Jesus for 32 pieces of silver. And you know what? I'm just going to say, if we don't find our security in Jesus, then we're going to depend on other things to define our worth. And ladies and gentlemen, our worth is found in Jesus. Many of us, at times I have to guard my heart, a lot of people like to find security in money. They, they think, and let me, I'm just gonna encourage you today. Money is a terrible master. The Bible says you actually cannot serve God and money. You, you can't do it. And sometimes we think we can, you know, um, but if you find your ultimate dependency in money, you are really gonna be deceived. I had some friends recently, their whole savings account was taken out by identity theft, and they still have not got the money back. But you know what, although that happened, they were telling us, you know, we have faith in Christ. Our dependence is not in our savings account, our dependence is in our savior. And you know what, he supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And you know what's interesting? Is that Judas is actually after his own motives. You know what I think is worse about Judas? He's using the poor to justify his own means for the money. He's using the poor. It was never about the poor, it was always about how he had a dependence on money. He would steal from the, the bad. Hey, Jesus, look, look, that lady needs healed. Hey Jesus. And I just want to encourage you. Because if you don't find your security in Christ, if you find your security in money, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 says this, for the love. Oh, there's that word today. We're talking about love. The love. Listen, many people misquote this scripture. It does not say money is the root. What does it say? The love of it. That I covet it. <clears throat> I crave it. It's my security. That's why I, when, when people lose their jobs, it's, it's a tough thing. I, I get it. But it's almost like some people's worlds go upside down. And I'm like, did you just depend on your job this whole time? And now when your world is rocked upside down, you don't know what to do because you weren't putting your faith in Christ when you did have a job. Now that you lost the job, you don't have faith in Christ. You don't know how to use your faith to believe God. But you know what I've seen for some people? The people that love God and they're dependent on God, they'll lose their job and their attitude is, you know what? God has something better for me. God has another promotion. He has another job better for me. And you know what? Many times it's just a blessing in disguise that you lost your job job because you wouldn't have ever quit that job to go for something else, but you lost it. And you know what? God has a better plan for your life and a better job, a better promotion. Come on, somebody, if we'll put our trust in him. For the love of money, look at this, is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through With many sorrows. Some people have either strayed from the faith because of money. You know, my church family, Judas would find out the hard way that money would never satisfy him. And Judas, his security was in his money, and it cost him his life. It cost him his life. Because you know what? At the end of the day, he hung himself because money will never satisfy you. Only God can. You know, the Bible says also that some there, the disciples said what she was doing when she, when she gave this to Jesus, some were saying, well, that's just wasteful. You know, what she's doing is just wasteful. Can I encourage you? Nothing that you ever give to Jesus is wasteful. Nothing that you give to Jesus is wasteful. I know people say that about church. Oh, you know what? No, church, I, I, that's, that, that's, just, that's just a waste of my time. Can I just tell you this? Church is one of the best things that you could do during the week because sitting at Jesus' feet, he's going to give you the wisdom, the encouragement, the strength, the provision that you need. You're going to learn how to use your faith, learn how this thing works because in the end of the day, you want to be successful and victorious in him. But we've got to learn. But people are like, "I just come and it's just a waste of time." No, you know what? Nothing that you ever give to Jesus is a waste because even your time as you give Him, Peter. We talked about in part one. Jesus said, "Hey, Peter." like launch out into the deep and you know what jesus peter gave jesus his boat you know what jesus gave back to peter a whole new fishing business ask the little guy that gave jesus his lunch he gave jesus his lunch you know what jesus gave back to him not only did he feed five thousand not only did that kid get to see the miracle but he ends up with 12 baskets worth my church family nothing that you ever give to jesus is ever wasted it's ever wasted. And you know what? When you receive his love, you'll receive security. And fear is driven out. And you know what I found out about secure people? Secure people don't care about what people are thinking when they wanna lift their hands and worship. Secure people like to serve others. You know, it takes a secure person to serve, You know, this morning, as we are a portable church, all of the guys here and the ladies that help set up our ushers, greeters, and everybody's serving today. You know what? They are the most secure people you will ever meet. It takes a real security to get down and wash people's feet. Jesus was more important to Mary than anyone else. Why? Because she realized that nobody could ever love her like Jesus could love her. And I want to tell you something that Mary knew. No one will ever love you like Jesus loves you. Let me say it again. No one will ever love you like Jesus will ever love you. Let me say this. No one will ever, ever be there for you like Jesus will be there for you. So why not find our security in him? See, extraordinary love will make you secure. It'll make you confident to love other people. Here's number three, extraordinary love changes the atmosphere. You know, John writes about this and he writes about what Mary did. And in John 12, verse three, it says this, when she broke open that vase, when it broke, it says, listen to this, it says, the house was filled. Somebody say filled. The house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. See, love makes all the difference. The Bible even tells me that when we talk, I'm supposed to speak the truth in love. Well, I just tell it like it is past the field. I don't care what people think. No, 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 no. That's, that's not how Jesus said to do it. Jesus said that when we speak, even that has to be in love. And I'm going to tell you what happens when his love gets in your heart. His love will change the atmosphere of your heart. You know what's sad to me is that so many people have reduced Christianity to just a bunch of rules and regulations. It's just a bunch of rules. No, Christianity is supposed to be the greatest love affair that you have ever been involved with. Loving Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus. You know, my wife the other day, she's great. I mean, she's just great. And uh, we've been married for eight years and we've known each other for 10 years. And, uh, you know, just, she's not real emotional. And and I just love her. She's just steady and just mature. And so the other day she came to me, and she's like, she's looking at her finger, right? And so I was just kind of, okay, what's what's going what's What's coming up? I don't know what's going on here. And she's like, you need to buy me a bigger diamond. You need to buy me a bigger, she's not, she's never asked me that before. And you know what's interesting, is that that's how she values things. And I don't understand why for a woman, a diamond is a girl's best friend, but for a man, it's a dog. A dog is a man's best friend. But you girls get diamonds? Whoever, it was probably a guy that thought that one up. I get it. Dogs will love you. Dogs will love you. I, I get it, guys. Leave them out in the cold and the freezing. They're frozen, right? For three months. It turns into summer. It thaws out. You open the door, they will love you. Lick you all around. I get it. It's unconditional. But we get dogs, you get diamonds. But you know what? When my wife said that to me, I thought about, oh man, she wants a diamond. But I, I didn't think about, okay, this is what you want? This is what I got to get you? Oh my goodness, how long we've we been married? It's not time for our diamond. <laughs> oh my gosh, this woman, hey, she thinks she's married. This so tough? <laughs> Right, so I go to Best Buy, come back with a fifty-three inch TV. Knock on the door. She opens the door and says, "Hey, what's that?" Well, honey, you know, I just thought since you wanted a big diamond, that maybe we'd just get a big TV instead. You know, for the whole family, because only really you could wear the diamond. But, you know, here, here I, I, I don't give to my wife what I think is good. I give to my wife what translates to her as value and love. And you know what? I want to give her that diamond. You know why? Because I love her because there's such a love in our heart. And some of us in our Christian walk with Jesus, Jesus asks things of us that he knows will actually benefit us. And because we've so reduced it to, I got to do this. I got to do that. Guess what? You're not in love anymore. When she told me about the diamond, I was like, how am I going to do it? I was I want to get it. You know why? Because I love my wife. And guess what? Our love is not predicated on the diamond. The diamond is just a symbol of our love. Come on, somebody. That's why when you ask, listen, guys, if you are single in here, don't just tell a woman that you love her. Don't just get a card and say, oh, I love you. Couple X's, big O's, little X's, O's. You know what the reality of it is, is that if you love, you will give something. It will cost you. My church family, the love of God cost God his only son. And he did it because he loves. And so when we get into this, well, I got to worship and I got to, I just want to check your love level. Are you still in love? Because if you're not, here's what's happening. You're allowing things to block out his love. And you need to get rid of those roadblocks. You need to get rid of all those things and say, God, I need to come back to your love today. The reason why I'm in church today is because I love you. The reason why I read your word is because I love you. The reason why I give during the offering is not because... Is my money. here's your two dollars oh thank you for your two dollars he says a tithe not a tip <laughs> you think I'm joking but talk to some waiters and waitresses that work on Sundays and they work on Sundays and they don't want to wait on Christian people because Christian people won't tip them and we're talking about the love of God. God has so given you his best. My church family, this is about love. Amen. You know, let me brag on a young lady in our church. She is our nursery director and she does a phenomenal job in and- her name is Inez uh, Perez, and uh, isn't that a cool name? Inez Perez, that's just like, whoever thought of that was just genius. And, um, and it, it just rhymes, I don't, maybe her dad was a rapper, I don't know, but she's amazing. And uh, she's on vacation this week, and, uh, and she's resting, and, but she does a phenomenal job. And I just wanna encourage you parents, this, this woman, she was the, our nursery director when we started the church, my son was, gosh, three years old, he was in there with her, and she just loved the kids. She loves kids. And I'm going to tell you something. If, if you have little kids, you want them in that nursery. Because she's not just there serving. She's there loving on the kids. And I would dare to say that's all of our volunteers back there. They love your kids. This is not just uh, childcare; They are teaching them the gospel. But not just in word, but in deed. And Inez is just such a, an incredible woman. But she met her match when a young little guy, three years old, named Logan showed up. And when Logan showed up, when Cheryl and Jacob came, dropped little Logan off, this kid is a genius. He gets into the nursery, he thinks he's in prison. So he's trying to break out. He's trying to open the door. I mean, three years old. I mean, I want to hire this kid for something. I mean, they have to like put up barricades now because Logan's trying to figure out like, why did my parents drop this, me off in this place? What's going on? Who are these people? You know, this is not my house. And he's literally breaking through and they have to actually close the, the doors and like lock them. Little three-year-old. He's like this. Like He's got like muscles and stuff. And Inez was like, we don't know what we're going to do with this guy. I mean, he's just, and I said, Inez, you know what to do because we know who you are. You love kids. And they loved on that little boy, loved on that little boy. And you know what? I was talking with his parents and Inez. She said, you know what? He's one of our best kids now. He sits at the little table and he, he draws, he writes. And that when they come to church and they come down Clinton Keith, he he says, church, church, church. He knows where the nursery is, and he goes back there. And uh, I just thought I'd share this with you because love makes such a difference. Look at this little picture. That, uh, that's, that's little Logan, and uh, he was eating his meal, and his mom was praying. And so he just put his head down, and he started to pray at three years old. And I'm just telling you today, my church family, love makes a difference. And if a three-year-old can know when he's loved, it can make a difference. And this is why this is so important, especially even for us parents. You need the love of God because the love of God will translate from you to your kids. And let me say this before I go to these last two points. If you're here at Passion Life Church, maybe you've been coming for a long time, or maybe you're new, I'm going to tell you we're a church that's going to fight hard to love people. We need to love people. We need to be Jesus' hands and feet, no matter who they are, to other people. Can I get a good amen this morning? Amen. The Bible says that her worship flowed from her love from Jesus. When we worship, that should flow from our love. And here's the last true about extraordinary love, extraordinary love. Number four, always points people to Christ. Look at verse 6. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good thing. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying the poor is always among you. He didn't say not to give to the poor, but he was basically telling Judas, oh, so now you want to take her money and give to the poor. Why don't you give to the poor? You can give to the poor any time that you would like to give to the poor because the truth was it was never really about the poor. It was always about Judas's own motive. And he says this, but you do not always have me. Jesus was saying, she has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. My church family, this perfume was worth about 300 denarii. Do you know how much in those days they made a day? They made one denarii a day in that culture. The perfume that she gave Jesus was 300 denarii. She gave Jesus her best. And when she broke that open, the Bible says that the smell filled the room. And here's what she was doing. And she knew exactly what she was doing. In my church family, when you love people and people see the love of God, Jesus is glorified. And this is what was she was doing. Listen, she was pouring out this oil. She was saying this. Here's what this act revealed. She knew that Jesus was the Christ. And she was saying, look, as I pour this and anoint you, Jesus, I'm saying you're the king you're the king. See, this extravagant gift, this oil was for lavish kings. They would anoint kings with this type of oil. And so this was so appropriate for the fact that Jesus, the next day, he was going to ride into Jerusalem. This is almost when he's about to go to the cross. He would ride go into Jerusalem, and guess what? He would proclaim himself the king. Before he even did that, she was anointing him king in her life. Here's another thing that this act did. When she poured out this oil on Jesus' head, this act said, you are a royal priest. See, priests were also anointed with oil. And this is in keeping with the fact that Christ is the royal priesthood. And you know what? He is the head. And it was about atonement for his people. And here's the last one. You know what she was saying? This is a huge deal. When she loved on Jesus... When she poured out this oil, she was saying, you are my savior. You know why that's a big deal? Because she was admitting she was a sinner. And she was saying, you are my savior. You are going to die. You know, the word Messiah means anointed one. She was pouring the oil. When oil was poured, it meant a separation. That she was pouring this on Jesus and saying, you know what? You're holy to me. She understood the reason for her death was her sin. And the significance of his death was her salvation. And here's what happens. When that oil and the fragrance filled the room, the presence of God filled the room. My church family... When we live in a life of love, God is glorified and his presence will fill our atmosphere and, and those around us. And those around us. You know, the Bible says in John 13, verse 35, by all this, by all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not how amazingly you know your theology whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, medium-trib, how well you argue politics, how well you know all these different church things, the Bible says that the way the world is going to know who Jesus is is by how we interact with each other and there's love. And can I just tell you, if Passion Life Church is not your home, don't go to a church where there's no love because where there's no love, there's no God because God is love. This oil wasn't like a perfume when you go to Macy's and they're always trying to get you to try the perfume. Can you try this? No, 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 just leave me alone, please. I I already smell good. A little aggressive over there. I, I find myself walking around, like, just give me in there. And I love cologne, I love all that. It's great. But you know what? Most of the time you buy it and it lasts for half an hour or so, and it's, you know. But this oil would seep into your pores. It was expensive, but it was an oil. And here's when it was activated and it did its best work when you would start to sweat, it would be activated. And that perfume and that aroma would come out. And I just believe that when Jesus was on the cross, and if you know anything about crucifixion, is that you literally suffocate. You come to the place where each breath is a struggle. Every time that you take a breath, you have to, you can't, and when you prop yourselves up, when you prop yourself up, then you could feel the nails in your feet. When you prop yourself up, you could feel the nails in your hands. And every time as Jesus was bleeding on the cross, the Bible says that in Isaiah, if you were to look at him, he was so marred you wouldn't be able to tell that he was a human and that he was so marred and so sweating. But you know what? That ointment, that when he began to bleed and sweat, the ointment did its best work because in that the fragrance began to smell. And as Jesus was taking his breath on the cross, he could smell a fragrance. He could smell a love from a woman who didn't care about what anybody else thought. She was going to worship and love Jesus. And, you know, I just believe that as he was on the cross taking those breaths, He said, you know what? This is worth it. My church family, do you know what kept Jesus on the cross? It wasn't the Roman soldiers. It wasn't the nails. It was his love for humanity that kept Jesus on the cross for you and I. And as he took his breath, he could smell the passion and the love of a woman. And I just believe he said to himself, there will be more. There will be more who will receive my love. There will be more who will love me like her. And maybe on July 30th in 2017, there'll be people in Marietta and at Passion Life Church and churches all across our community that would love and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And here's number five as we close. Extraordinary love always inspires others to follow. Look at verse 9. Jesus says, surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman did, what she has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Isn't that interesting that she gives Jesus a vase full of oil and you know what she got back? She got back a legacy that Jesus said that wherever this gospel is preached, what she did, what did she do? She loved and worshiped Jesus. That this gospel, it's called good news. That when we share the good news, it's supposed to lead people to Jesus. And you know what, Mary's love for Jesus left a legacy. And her devotion, my church family, is even inspiring us today. But how did she get to this devotion? See, because I want my devotion to inspire people. Because here's the reality. Your devotion for Christ is either gonna inspire, but the opposite is true as well. Your lack of devotion will also and can deter people from Christ. And I just wanna encourage you parents. We need to lead of a legacy of love for our kids. Because my son, you know what? You know how he's gonna know Christ? how I love him and serve him. And so my legacy matters. Your legacy matters. People are going to know Christ because of our love. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.